Suratul Mulk Al-Mulk The Dominion Sovereignty Absolute Ownership Ultimate Control Ultimate Ownership Belongs to who? Belongs to who? Allah Suratul Mulk is called Suratul Mulk why? Because in the very first ayah the Mulk of Allah is mentioned And it is made clear that there is nothing except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala owns it. There is nothing except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has full control over it. And through this surah, we are reminded of our status in this universe. And what is that status? That we are owned by Allah. We are His slaves. And there is absolutely no running away from Him. So for our own good, what is in our best interest is that we accept Al-Malik, Al-Malik. We accept Him as our Lord and we surrender to Him wholeheartedly and happily with full submission and humility. Surah Al-Mulk is a Makki surah and with this surah, begins the last group of the surahs of the Qur'an. And there are 43 surahs which are Makki, and the last five surahs of the Qur'an are Madani. So 43 surahs from Surah Al-Mulk to Surah Al-Kafirun, they are Makki, and then after that, Madani. And even about them there is a difference of opinion. Some have said that they are all Makki, except of course for just a few of them, like Surah Al-Nasr. However, we see that this begins the last group of surahs. So the messages here will be very powerful. And as you can see, either all or majority of them are Makki, then the focus will be on which themes? Themes related to our beliefs. Themes related to matters of the hereafter. And especially holding oneself accountable. Knowing oneself knowing our position in this world, knowing who our Lord is, who sent us here, why He sent us here, and that we are to return to Him. Because unless and until a person internalizes these beliefs, his life cannot change. His actions cannot change. What is truly transformative is when a person internalizes the fact that he belongs to Allah. And that there is no running away from Allah. And in this surah, we will see that emphasized a lot. Suratul Mulk, as we discussed earlier, is a surah that has 30 verses in it. And for the person who recites this surah, then we learn that the surah is going to intercede for him. We learn, for example, about Suratul Baqarah, Surah Ali Ibran, that the Prophet ﷺ said, recite them. Why? Because they will intercede for a person. The Qur'an in general is going to intercede for the one who recites it. But we see that the person who makes a habit of reciting Suratul Mulk, especially at what time? Before going to sleep. Then the surah will protect him from the punishment of the grave. It will intercede for him. And the Prophet ﷺ, his usual habit was also to not go to sleep until he had recited Suratul Mulk, because it's a very powerful reminder of who we are, of what we are. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. 
تَبَارَكَ الَّذِي بِيَدِهِ الْمُلْكِ Blessed is the one in whose hand is the dominion. Tabaraka. Tabaraka as in ta'adama, ta'ala, that he is great and exalted. Tabaraka as in his ihsan, his goodness, his favors are abundant. They are widespread. So tabaraka, he is pure, perfect, he is great, exalted, and his good is endless. Who is he? Alladhi biyadihi al-mulk. The one in whose hand is al-mulk. The mulk is in his hand. Meaning he's got full possession and control over it. When you've got something in your hand, what does it mean? It belongs to you. It's yours. And you've got it in control, full control. So biyadihi al-mulk, the ultimate ownership and sovereignty is whose? It is Allah's. He owns everything. And al-mulk, what is al-mulk? Possession, authority, ownership. Meaning when someone owns something, and he doesn't just own it, but he also has control over it. We also own a lot of things, don't we? We might say, oh, I've got this in my hand. It's mine. You know like children when they snatch something, they've got it in their hand and they say, mine. Right? We think we have control over it. But do we really have control over it? There, the child snatches it from the other one, and the other one comes and snatches it right out of his hand. He lost the mulk. Right? We also own things. But our ownership is not absolute. Our ownership of things is not total. It is not complete. It is deficient. While we own things, we may not have full control over them. While we own things we may lose them. While we own things, there will come a point where we will part with them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His mulk, meaning the ownership that He has of everything, how is that ownership? It is complete and total and absolute. So He is the creator of everything. He is the owner of everything. And He executes His will concerning everything. Meaning if Allah decrees, for a certain creation that something should happen to it, then will it happen to it? Definitely. He exercises his will with regards to his creation. So biyadihi al-mulk, in his hand is the dominion. Meaning absolute ownership, perfect ownership is whose? It belongs to Allah alone. Of what? Of everything. وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ And he is over all things competent, able. That is how He created all of this. What do we learn from this ayah? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is tabaraka, meaning He is great. He is the source of all goodness. He is the owner of everything. And make a connection, establish a connection between the fact that He is blessed, the source of all goodness, and that He owns everything. What's the connection over here? If you look around you, what do you see? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. What do you see? His favors. Right? So everything belongs to Him. The goodness that we have received from Him, the favors that we have received from Him, how are they? They're endless. The benefits that He has given, the mercy that He has shown, the blessings that He has bestowed are endless. Tabarakah. And he is qadir, he is competent over everything, meaning he is above any weakness. 
So who are we then? We are His creation. We are His servants. And we are those who are always benefiting from Him. We are those who are always receiving good from Him. Even in our illness, there is benefit. Even in our loss, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us some benefit. Tabaraka. And what is established in this ayah is that بِيَدِهِ mulk In His hand is al-mulk. Meaning, the dominion is for Allah alone. And how is His ownership? It is perfect and complete. And notice how it is said, بِيَدِهِ It is in His hand. What does it mean then? That His hands are vast. They are generous. The Prophet ﷺ, he said that the right hand of Allah is full. It is full. And its fullness is not affected by the continuous spending night and day. Do you not see what he has spent since he created the heavens and the earth? And by spending all of that, it has not decreased in what is in his right hand. Meaning even though he has given so much, his kingship or his authority, his richness has not reduced at all. Biyadihil mulk, complete control is in Allah's hand. What does that mean? That if we're sick, the cure can come from who? Only Allah. Which is why the Prophet ﷺ, when he was sick, what would he say? The dua in which, what is said? Biyadika shifa, in your hand is the cure. Because biyadihil mulk, control, authority is with who? Allah. And the ability to cure someone, that is also with who? With Allah. بِيَدِهِ mulk. بِيَدِهِ mulk. What does that mean? That He is the source of strength. Which is why the Prophet ﷺ, he would frequently say, فَوَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ By the one in whose hand is my soul. He is the source of strength. And what does that mean? بِيَدِهِ mulk. That when we are in need, we call upon Him by mentioning what? By mentioning His hand. Like the Prophet ﷺ, the dua that he made the most on the day of Arafah, what does it say? Part of it is that بِيَدِهِ khair. In his hand is all goodness. So تَبَارَكَ الَّذِي بِيَدِهِ الْمُلْكُ وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ Who is he? الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاتِ The one who has created death and life. What does this mean? That even death is a, is a creation. Even death is a creation. What does that mean? That it only comes when Allah decrees it. This is His qudra. وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ He is over all things competent. What's the proof of that? That He can do whatever He wants. The fact that He has created death and life. If you think about it, as human beings we have advanced a lot. Isn't it? We've even made Siri. Right? You can ask her questions, she'll find the answer, and she'll tell you. Right? You just don't touch the phone and you say, Hey Siri. Right? And you can ask her a question and she'll come up with an answer. Right? We have advanced a lot. But Siri is still Siri. She's not a person. Isn't it? She doesn't have life. She's a computer. It's somebody else's voice, right? It's a machine, it's a software, it's a computer that people have made. 
We cannot make life. Can we? We can make objects. We can make computers. But we cannot make life. وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ He is over all things competent. What is the proof of that? The proof of that is that He has created life which we cannot make. If someone is dying, we cannot even save their life. We can try to examine a heart and see how it works and how it's connected with the brain and how the body is alive and how it's functioning. But have we truly figured out what is it that keeps a person alive? No, we haven't. Because if we did, we would have some level of control over it. We would interfere with it in some way. But we haven't been able to. We cannot save life. We cannot grant life. We cannot keep life. This is in whose control? Allah's control. الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ Why? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ Lamb over here is of illa. What is the reason? Why did He make you? Why do you live and then you die? Or some of you die and others live on and then they die. Why? Why life and death? Why? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ In order that He may test you. Meaning your life and death is not in vain. Your existence is not without purpose. Because Allah, who is He? Tabaraka. He is blessed. He is perfect. He is exalted above making this life aimlessly. He would not create this creation without a purpose. There is a purpose. And what is that purpose? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ He is testing you to see that أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ amala. Which of you, O people, is أَحْسَن in amal, in action, in deed? Which of you is best in terms of the actions that he performs? And what is it that makes an action أَحْسَن, excellent, good? It is, it is, pardon? Okay, the intention. Okay, it is, go ahead. Okay, when there is conformity and there is sincerity. Sincerity for who? For Allah. And conformity to what? To the way that He has prescribed. The sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْغَفُورُ And He is the mighty, the forgiving. Mighty, you cannot escape Him. Forgiving, yes, you will make mistakes. So turn back to Him and ask Him for His forgiveness. What do we see in this verse? The purpose of our life. What is that? We are being tested. And what is the test about? That who is it that will do good work? When we study the Qur'an and Sunnah, what we find is that of the first creation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created was what? His throne, the pen, right? And we learn about the skies, the earth, and also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the angels, the jinn, so many creation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had already created. And then His final creation was which one? Human beings. Like it is said, saving the best for the last. Right? So the final creation that Allah created, you see all the different creatures around you? There's animals, there's birds, there's jinns, there's angels. Out of all the different creation that is out there, the one to be created at the end was who? Adam alayhi salam. 
Because remember, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam, He told the angels, إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةً Right? And then we learned that when Adam alayhi salam was in the process of being created, Iblis came and saw how Adam was being created, how he was being developed. And then when Allah told the angels to prostrate, Iblis was amongst them. What does this mean? That jinn, angels were already there before, before human beings were created. Right? We see that the best prophet was the final prophet. The best scripture was the final scripture. Right? The best ummah is the final ummah. The best home is the final home of the hereafter. Correct? So the best creation is which one? The final one. Meaning, the status of human beings compared to the rest of the creation is higher. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has preferred human beings over the rest of the creation. In many ways. If you think about it, physically also. In terms of how we are, our abilities, our skills, even in terms of how our body is made. Right? But not just that. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala established the superiority of Adam alayhi salam over the angels and the jinn, how did he do that? By showing what? That Adam had knowledge which even the angels did not have. Isn't it so? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him the names of everything. And then he told the angels, Ambi'uni bi asma'iha ulai. Tell me the names of these things. And what did the angels say? We do not know. We only know what you have taught us. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Adam, Ambi'hum bi asma'ihim. Tell them the names of these things. So Adam alayhi salam, he told them. So the superiority of man over the rest of the creation is by what? By the fact that man has been endowed with knowledge, with reason, right? So if you think about it, our superiority is not just by the fact that we can eat great food or we can make beautiful homes. Because there are birds that will make better and stronger nests than we can. Isn't it? There are creatures that will eat food that is far better than the food that we eat. There are animals that can travel much faster than we can travel. Isn't it so? That can survive in climates that we cannot. Isn't it? So our superiority is not by our worldly situations or circumstances. It is by what? It is by the actions that we perform. Because with knowledge, we can do something. We can produce something. So the test of our lives is what? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ amala. That with this knowledge, and with the abilities that Allah has given you, with the free choice that He has given you, what will you produce? What will you choose? What will you say? What will you strive towards? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ And it's gonna happen through how? Through tests, through bala. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us clear guidelines. You can do this, you cannot do this. Isn't it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put within us abilities and weaknesses. Correct? 
and he will put us in trials, in tests to see what choices we will make. And an example Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the Quran of Adam alayhi salam. Before mankind was sent in this world, there was a practice run, right? Of what this life is about. Where was that practice run? In Jannah. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Adam with his wife, right? And told him, eat freely from whatever you want, enjoy yourself. However, just don't eat the fruit of this tree. That's it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also made him aware of who his enemy is, shaitan. What happened then? What happened? Shaitan tempted Adam alayhi salam, right? Adam alayhi salam had knowledge. He knew what was okay and what was not okay. Shaitan tempted him and Adam alayhi salam, he made a mistake. And yes, there was repentance and forgiveness later. But this is basically what our life is about. The story of Adam is basically what? What our life is about. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us knowledge, He has given clear guidelines, He has given us the abilities, and He will put us in tests. If Allah wanted, He could have made everything permissible for Adam alayhi salam, isn't it? Why did He forbid that one tree? Why? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا what are you going to do when shaitan will come and tempt you and he will lie to you and he will make false promises to you? What are you going to do? What choices will you make? So every day we are making these choices. Allah has clarified through revelation what is okay and what is not okay. Now shaitan is going to come after us. So what choices are we going to make? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ what choices are we going to make when we're dealing with people? When something bothers us? When we're angry? When we're tired? When something is just too tempting? What choices are we going to make? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ So أَحْسَنْ amal. What is that? أَحْسَنْ amal is when you make the best choice. The best choice in anger, in happiness, in excitement when you're tired, in your work, in your speech, in your walking, in your clothing, in everything. And this is what this life is about. لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent for us a role model, an example to follow. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ An excellent example to follow. So what does it mean then? Our actions, our choices cannot be beautiful unless and until they align with the choices that the Prophet ﷺ made. That is when our actions will be beautiful. People hurt us. Did people hurt the Prophet ﷺ? They did. We get tired. Did the Prophet ﷺ get tired? Yes, he did. We get hungry. Did he get hungry? Yes. We experience loss. Did he experience loss? Yes. We experience success. Did he experience success? Yes. We have been given time. Was he given time? Yes. We have been given family and the problems that come with families. Did he have his fair share? Definitely he did. So then in everything that we're going through, what do we have to look at? What did the Prophet ﷺ do? What choices did he make? What did he say? How did he respond? How did he deal with it? 
Because you see, you can't be what you can't see. Isn't it? You need to see something in order to emulate it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gave us Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And His life is an example for us. Follow Him so that you can do ahsan amal. الَّذِي خَلَقَ سَبْعَ سَمَاوَاتٍ طِبَاقًا Allah is the one who has created the seven skies. How? Tibaqa in layers. Tibaqa is from the root letters Tabaqaf and Tabaq is to place one thing on top of the other such that it fits right above it. Right above it. Like you have a stack of plates. Right? So how are those plates sitting on top of each other? Right on top of each other. So he has created the seven skies. How? in layers. So each one is positioned right above the one that is beneath it. So seven like that. But there's no contact between these seven skies. You understand? When you stack your plates, how are they? Huh? There's contact, right? Each one is touching the one under it and the one above it. But these seven skies, how are they? How are they? Separate. But right above each other. And this is what is so amazing. Because to put something right on top of another is easy. But to put something on another in such a way that there is space, but still in perfect order, that is amazing. So he has created the heavens in layers. مَا تَرَى فِي خَلْقِ الرَّحْمَنِ مِنْ You do not see in the creation of the most merciful, meaning in the creation that Ar-Rahman has created, you don't see in it any tafawut. Tafawut from fawauta, fawt. Fawt is basically when something is gone. Fawt is also used for loss, right? So when something is gone, it's lost, it's over. So tafawut is when something is missing. So for example, you've got 10 things and one of them goes missing. When it's missing, do you notice it? Do you notice it? Yes. Because it just makes the whole view so inconsistent. Right? Because sometimes, you know, for example, when you're sitting in the classroom and you're asked, please move up, don't leave any gaps. You wonder, what's the big deal? Isn't it? I'm sure you do. I used to. What's the big deal? Just let people sit wherever they're sitting. Well, the thing is that when there are gaps, yes, there are problems, shaitan comes, etc., etc. However, it doesn't look beautiful. It really doesn't. Why is it that we're so particular about having no gaps between our teeth? Seriously. Because it doesn't look beautiful. Right? We're so, you know, particular about not having gaps between the tiles which are on the floor or things like that. Because when there's inconsistency, right, it doesn't look pretty. So you will not see in the creation that Allah has created any tafawut, any disparity, any inconsistency, any irregularity. There's no mismatch. Everything goes with everything else. You understand? You know, for example, you see like a shirt, for instance. And the colors just don't go together at all. They just look so weird together. You see an artwork. And it's like somebody just threw lots of paint on it. Right? But when you look at the creation that Allah has created, no matter what season it is, summer, winter, fall, or spring, 
you go to the most manicured garden or you go out in the wild what will you see everything goes with everything else the sky goes with the trees which go with the mud or the grass or the water or the snow or whatever it is isn't it so ma tara fi khalqir rahmani min tafawut you don't see any irregularity any defect in the creation that Allah has created and specifically this is about the sky in general also we can understand but about the sky in particular you don't see any irregularity in the sky that Allah has created what irregularity you see when you see that shirt with those weird colors you say it would have been better if this was a little brighter or a little dull or this was a bit more or a bit less you have some comments to make but when you look at the sky what can you say it would have been better if the sky was like this or like that what better option could you suggest you couldn't because it's perfect it's beautiful at all times night day cloudy or not whatever it is it's got its beauty ما ترى في خلق الرحمن من تفاوت so there is no defect in it that's the message there is no defect in the creation that Allah has made فرجع البصر so return the vision look again هل ترى من فطور do you see any فطور now the word فطور is very interesting it's from فطرة and فطرة remember it means to split break something right Basically the word fatara is used for when the tooth of a baby camel breaks through the skin and first appears. You've probably never seen camels growing their first teeth, but hopefully you've seen some babies. Right? You see how for many days first the skin is very red, the gums are very red, and the baby is like biting at anything. Isn't it? Drooling, taking anything in its mouth. And then what happens? Finally the skin rips right and then the tooth emerges this is fatara so futur is used for a split or a crack or a slit this is futur hal tara min futur do you see any crack anywhere in the sky now a crack what does that signify problems right that that it's not perfect so for example if you're buying let's say a phone it's got a tiny crack tiny would you take it never you wouldn't isn't it glass glass table if there's a tiny crack on it would you take it no it's got a defect in it hal tara min futur forget about any breaks do you see even a slit anywhere and you see many times these cracks or these these cracks it doesn't affect the functioning of the object right like for example my ipad it's been cracked for like i think 2 years now but it works perfectly fine but aesthetically mm, yeah doesn't look that great but it, does it work works So many times we will settle with things that don't look that beautiful as long as they work. Isn't it? But Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the sky is even aesthetically beautiful. 
so beautiful that you won't even find a crack anywhere. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this creation not just functional, not just strong, not just with a purpose, but also beautiful. هَلْ تَرَى مِنْ Do you see any cracks? No, you don't. ثُمَّ رْجِعِ الْبَصَرَ Then return the vision. كَرَّتَيْنِ Twice again. كَرَّتَيْنِ Dual of karra. What does karra mean? To come back. Okay? To come back. Meaning you did something, you went away, and then you came back and tried again. So كَرَّتَيْنِ means come back, and then come back one more time. And why would you do that? Why would you do that? When you're not giving up on something. You understand? You go ask your dad, may I please have this? He says no. So what do you do? You try again. He says no. What do you do? Try again. Why do you keep going back? Because you're determined to get what you want from him. Right? So, karatain. Go try again and again. And don't give up until you find some problem in the sky. But will you find any problem in the sky? No, you won't. But what you will get is fatigue and exhaustion. No matter how desperate you are, how eagerly you try, no matter how much effort you put in to find some problem in the sky, you won't find it. ثُمَّ رُجِعِ الْبَصَرَ كَرَّتَيْنِ يَنْقَلِبْ إِلَيْكَ الْبَصَرُ your vision will return to you. How? Khasi'an. What does khasi' mean? Khasin hamza. Khas is to chase something away. Like for example a dog or a pig. Chase it away to a distance. Alright? And the word khas is also used for when someone becomes confused. Right? Confused. So, you know for example if you startle an animal... Right? And you're trying to chase it away, scared away. What will happen initially? The other day there was a squirrel in our backyard digging in our grass. So I just started knocking on the window. Right? I don't know what it had hidden in the grass, but I was like, please don't ruin my grass. You know? I was knocking on the window, so the squirrel just froze. Right? It's looking around. Where's the sound coming from? Confused. And then as I kept making that noise, it ran away. Alright? So these are the two meanings of khas. To be confused and also to chase something away to a distance. Now, khasi' fa'il gives the meaning of maf'ul, meaning one who is driven away. One who is repelled. One who is left in confusion. So your vision will return to you khasi' driven away, meaning empty-handed. You won't return with anything. Why would you take your vision to the sky? To find faults. You try again and again and again. What do you return with? Nothing. Khasi. You're repelled, confused, empty-handed. You got nothing from all that research. Wahua hasir. While it is meaning your vision will be hasir. Hasir from hasin ra. Hasir is someone who is fatigued, tired because of much travel. Because of traveling a lot. So this word is used for horses or camels that have been used for long journeys. And so they appear hasir, tired, exhausted because of walking and running. So no matter how long you spend and no matter how much effort you put in trying to find problems in Allah's creation, 
you will not find any. In Surah Qaf, Ayah 6, Allah says, أَفَلَمْ يَنْظُرُوا إِلَى السَّمَاءِ فَوْقَهُمْ كَيْفَ بَنَيْنَاهَا وَزَيَّنَّاهَا وَمَا لَهَا مِنْ فُرُوجٍ Have they not seen the sky? How we've built it and how we have made it beautiful. So it's not just built strong, it's also beautiful. So you're not going to find any problems in it at all. Why is this being emphasized? You know, if you see these three, four verses, they're talking about the perfection of the sky. Isn't it? And we are being challenged to find some fault in Allah's creation. And it's been made clear you're not going to find any. Why is this being said to us? Why? What are we being taught? What message are we being given? Yes? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this creation with perfection. Right? I mean, it's flawless. And an example is given, look at the sky, look at how big, massive, strong, and beautiful it is. Now, think about it. Like for example, something that appears to be a gadget. Right? And it looks strong, it looks beautiful, but when you turn it on, it doesn't work. What is it for? Nothing. Does it make sense? It doesn't make sense. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates His creation with perfection and beauty, then how could you think that your life is without any purpose? How? How could you think like that? That your life is in vain. Allah created you for no reason. Or you just made yourself, you just came from somewhere, just like that. Not possible. The perfection of something and its beauty means that it's got a purpose to it. And when Allah has created the sky, He has also created the human beings and we have a purpose to our existence. Allah says, وَلَقَدْ زَيَّنَّ السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا Certainly we have beautified the worldly sky. How? بِمَصَابِيحَ With lamps, meaning stars that you can see. Now misbah is used for a lamp. And it's from the word subh. Subh is used for morning. Morning is light. Isn't it? Now, there's different words that are used for light. Okay? Misbah is used for a lamp that has a reddish glow in it. Reddish glow. Okay? So, وَلَقَدْ زَيَّنَّ السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِمَصَّابِيحَ And stars, yes, they appear to be silvery or white, but they also have it. I mean, especially the big ones, right? And the closer you go to them, right? The more detailed the image is, not from where we see it, but, you know, the closer you go to, what is it? What are stars? Pardon? Hot gases, right? And we have made them as rujum for the devils. Rujum, plural of the word rajum, and rajum as in that which is thrown, pelted. So missiles for who? To chase away the devils, to strike the devils. وَأَعْتَدْنَا لَهُمْ عَذَابَ السَّعِيرِ And later we have prepared for them the punishment of the blaze. The sky and everything within it in perfect order and harmony. The result, beauty. And then there are those who go beyond the boundaries that Allah has set. What do they create? Mischief. What do they cause? Disorder. And what does that result in? Ugliness. What does this teach us? That when we remain within the boundaries that Allah has set for us, 
the result will be beautiful. It will be good. And when we go beyond the boundaries that Allah has set for us, the result will be mischief, disorder, that will harm only us. Let's listen to the recitation. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Tabarakal ladhi biyadihi almulku wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir Alladhi khalaqal mawta wal hayata liyabluwakum ayyukum ahsanu amala wa huwa al-azizul الذي خلق سبع سماوات طباقا ما ترى في خلق الرحمن من تفاوت فارجع البصر هل ترى من فطور ثم ارجع البصر كرتين ينقلب إليك البصر خاسئا وهو حسير ولقد زينا السماء الدنيا بمصابيح وجعلناها رجوما للشياطين وأعتدنا لهم عذاب السعير 